0: Father, thank you for Jess. Thank you for your delight in her. Mm -hmm. I ask just that you would give her freedom to be herself this morning. Mm -hmm. Thank you for her being a part of our community. Thank you for the unique way she sees you and understands you. Mm -hmm. And I ask, Lord, that there would be um, eyes that are opened, Mm -hmm. hearts that are softened, uh, spirits that are kind of shaken out of slumber this morning um, by what she's going to bring. So would you do that in her as she's speaking? Equip her, Lord, to just to bring the good news this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs> your lights are weird. Do you want me to turn the actual light I mean, it's cozy, but it was people are. I mean, I, we have slides for the scriptures, but there's note taking and stuff. I don't know. You Ask the people. But <laughs> well, when you're doing state, it's usually like a. That's <laughs> true. There you go. Your we're you. here for the meet. <laughs> take your mask. Hi, everyone. Hello. Ooh, hello. Good morning, everybody. Happy to be here. We weren't here last week because we had some stickies at home, but we're all healthy again, which is good. Yeah. Um. So. How many people have a Christmas tree at home? Okay, so I want to do a little poll, real or fake. So let's go real trees. Yeah. Okay. How about fake trees? Okay, I think real is still winning out, but. All right. So we actually are a family of real tree Christmas people. <laughs> um, and actually, this year we cut our own for the first. Actually, it was, we did it a while ago, but the first time all with all the kids. And I think it's a new tradition that we've started. Um, But we took it home and we set it up and we filled it with all its ornaments. And I was saying to Tom, it's cool because every year it's a different tree, but it has this familiarity to it because all the ornaments that we hang on the tree are the ones that have grown in our family year after year. And so it's the same ornaments hanging on new branches differently. And they give us a little bit of a different perspective as to like our family history. There's certain ones that are kind of highlighted um, and on the front branches and there's other ones that you don't notice as much. And every year that kind of changes. Um, And I feel like that's kind of how it's been with the Christmas story in a way, especially with this whole series of like gaining new perspective through this Advent season. And um, yeah, I'm just going to organize my book here um i love that we come back to this story every year and every time we do we actually come back a little bit different because we're growing and changing Mm -hmm. and there's new things that god can teach us every single time and i love that um it's so old and yet there's new every single time and i've had this one like i'm doing the perspective from the Magi, which is something that I haven't really paid much attention to. I've always thought it was kind of a weird thing, and there's always this debate, like, were the Magi really there during the story, or did they show up later, and we shouldn't have them in the nativity scene, and all of that stuff, and I have Magi in my nativity scene, and I'm always like, I put them on the <laughs> other side, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but but I've, I've appreciated, like, the perspective that God has kind of shared with me, that i Feel like I'm going to share with you um, in, in just their part in this story and I love how every time we come back to this it connects us to this big picture of redemption like yes. it's big Jesus coming is all of mankind all of history and yet we look at how he weaves this story so intricately with the people involved and it's really beautiful so um, the last four weeks have been hope with the prophets peace with the angels, joy, and the shepherds. And today is love with the Magi. And so I'm just going to start by reading from Matthew 2. I think we have it up here. Just read through the story of the visit of the wise men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king saw this, he was troub- when he heard this, sorry, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And going into the house, they saw the child with, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I'm just going to pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that this story is so far beyond even what we can comprehend. <laughs> um, and I just pray, even now, as we're looking at it again, that, Holy Spirit, you would illuminate these scriptures and show us your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this story is like so miraculous and supernatural and crazy and beautiful and wonderful and all the things. And sometimes it's easy to just read through the stuff that's happening and you kind of skim over some of like the crazy, miraculous stuff that has happened. Um, like stars and angels and Mary being given a baby in her womb without any help. <laughs> Other than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, But also, we kind of romanticize it a bit, right? We have, like, this sort of storybook tale of of this Christmas story where it's all this wonderful Mary had a baby and she laid him in a manger. And it's like, this is a very real story of really difficult stuff lived out by real people like us. And... um, yeah, we talked about it already, marry pregnant and not being married. That's a really difficult thing. It's not like nowadays where it's like, whatever, if you're not married or pregnant, it's cool. It's like, no, like you would be stoned to death. She had to bear that and carry that. And she did. Um, traveling to where Joseph was as a very pregnant woman, on a donkey, for days, she endured that journey. I don't know any pregnant woman who's gonna wanna do that. Um, They get there, there's nowhere for them to stay, they end up staying in like, they say, a stable, which is like a cave, sort of barn, animal dwelling. She gives birth in front of the (laughs) animals there, like, this is some pretty stuff, pretty big stuff that she's going through. And eventually, actually, after these wise men come, they end up fleeing to Egypt for their lives as refugees, because Herod is out to kill Jesus. So it's a pretty big, a lot of messy, crazy stuff that happens. And yet, woven into it all, you can see God's miraculous hand, God's intricate details, and the way that he just loves and holds it all together with his love. And so today we're looking at the Magi and their part in this story. Um, So I'm just going to go through a little bit of details about them, because there's not much information about them. but. Um, based on some study of the cultural times that have a little bit more to offer. Um, So who were these guys? They were probably some pretty predominant men of the priestly caste of Persia. Um, It's thought that they were maybe religious advisors to their court, Um, but they were actually magicians. So like magi is short or plural for magicians, maybe. Anyways, um, they were into sorcery and astrology and something was talking about demonic power and stuff like that. So they're like, you know, would not consider them to be part of this Christmas story. They are a very unlikely group of people brought into this story. Um, And they may have had some type of understanding of like Jewish prophecy and all of that because as the Israelites were um, sent into exile in the Babylon area, They probably would have had some type of interaction with that, but for the most part they were pretty far away from Israel and would not have really known much of what was going on over there. Um, But they were just charting the stars, reading the stars, and all of a sudden written in the sky is this proclamation of Jesus, the King of the Jews. Literally all of creation is proclaiming that he's coming, which is so cool. The stars align to tell us this. And so these men see it and they set off and they travel for months. It's said that they have traveled somewhere between 900 to about 1500 miles, which is a long distance to travel on foot. Um, We think that there's probably three based on the gifts that were brought, but actually they say it it could have been up to 12 and they would have had servants and their whole entourage of traveling. It would have been quite a big ordeal Um, And they traveled for months and months by foot or by camel or whatever animal they rode with. Um, And they did this just to meet this king of the Jews and just to come and worship him. And they come looking for this king and instead find, you know, I mean, they were expecting a baby, I think, but they find him in a very ordinary little house. And they could have been like, mm, "This doesn't seem right," you know. They're of the priestly caste. If you know the caste system, you don't associate with such low um, standing of people. They could have been like, "This must be wrong," but instead they come in and they bow to the ground before this little Jesus, and they worship him, and they bring him their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I just think, imagine being Mary, sitting there, and all of a sudden, this whole entourage of these men come in, these wealthy, priestly men come, and they lay themselves down before your son and worship him. And they tell you that the stars have told them that the king of the Jews is here. Like... How encouraging and confirming to what, what she has experienced already, right? Like how encouraged she must have just been that out of the blue these people come. And then just like that, they're gone again. And they came just all that way to worship him. And there's no way of knowing how much they truly understood of Jesus being God. They definitely recognized him as a king. And they were definitely caught up in this story that there was something drawing them to this. This was a supernatural event. um, Enough that they were willing to give up all of their time and effort and even their gifts to come and just worship Jesus. And the gifts that they brought were actually really prophetic. Um, It's likely that they just brought the gifts that they had. This is what they had. And gold is fit for a king. It's actually a symbol of kingliness. Um... But also, frankincense symbolizes divinity. And myrrh is a, is a bomb. They used to make bombs with myrrh for the dead, for burial. And so even in these details, God is speaking something. And there's this prophetic woven story that's giving us a bigger picture of what's going on here. We also know that after this point, Um, Herod catches wind of Jesus and he kind of freaks out, not kind of, he very freaks out, and he tries to get the wise men to tell them where Jesus, where Jesus is, and they're warned by an angel to leave. Then he finds out and he sends his soldiers to just wipe out all of the boys under the age of two. And so before this happens, Joseph is warned in a dream, um, to escape and he's, he's, they tell him to go to Egypt, um. But even these gifts that were given by the wise men, it said that they, that probably financed their trip and their escape and their living in Egypt until, until Herod had died. And it's just so crazy, all the things that you see, right? we looking back, we can see like, wow, okay, there's God, his provision, his warnings, the angelic visitations, all of these things. Um, but there's so much even in this story as I was looking at it and praying through it, that we can learn from these unlikely magi. And the part of the story that they play, there's so much that even applies to our own lives. So I'm just gonna go through some of them. I have them on the screen for us. Number one, oops, sorry, I spilled Number one, we are the unlikely ones. Mm-hmm. So these magi are starting the stars, and God meets them where they're at, like astrology and magical, spiritual, all this stuff you think. These guys are not like Jesus followers. They are not even Hebrew. They are not the chosen people. They are unlikely to this story, and yet God meets them and says, like, hey, pay attention. Read it in the stars. The king is born. And um, he invites them into the story, and that's, that's us. You know, we're the unlikely ones. He's chosen us and invited us into this story. And we're not supposed to be here. And yet we are. And we're invited in. Um, Number two, following Jesus Jesus is not the easy road. Amen. (laughs) It does require a willingness and a lot of sacrifices. And like the Magi who journeyed for months, it's said that they traveled over all kinds of terrain. There were mountain ranges and stuff that they traveled through. Um, And that's kind of like a metaphor
1: (laughs) of our lives, right? There's
0: mountains and valleys and all in between. And it's not the easy road, but it's the worthy road. Um, Number three, because he is the reward. He's always worth it. And I love, I love, love, love that they just came all that way just to worship him. There was no personal gain from this for them, really, except that they encountered Jesus. I don't know what changed in their lives after that happened, but something probably did, because I'm pretty sure no matter what age he was, if you encountered Jesus, it didn't matter. You were changed. Um, Number four, we get to be part of other people's story. And so just like these wise men showing up on Mary's doorstep, just confirmed and encouraged her in the things that you know God had already spoken to her. She was willing and able, and you know, walking this out this difficult road. And then these these guys show up, and um, and just encourage her. And I think it's so easy for us to overlook those little things that we can do in life, where our lives intersect with somebody, and we think like, oh, it probably doesn't matter. If I feel something, I should say something, but ugh, whatever. And I remember actually um, Tom's mom saying to me, one of the reasons she actually, the starting points for her coming to know Jesus was she was in the park with this lady sitting beside her and they'd always be at the same park and they'd be playing with their kids and whatever and they didn't really talk to each other. And then one day the woman just came up and said to her, I just want you to know something. She just looked her right in the eyes and said, Jesus loves you so much. And she was kind of like, okay, thanks. (laughs) But she said it and she meant it. And that was the beginning point of, of Rebecca's journey, getting to know the Lord and understanding his love. And I think, what a silly, not silly, what a seemingly silly little statement that we sometimes think like, oh, I'm not going to say that, that's cheesy. People know that. It's like, no, these things matter. And so there's these little ways that, little and big ways that our lives intersect that um, I think we need to take notice yeah. and and be willing to to do the things and say the things and be used by God, because we are part of others' stories, and we're part of each other's story. Um, Number five, our gifts are both practical and prophetic. Both are needed, and both are important. So in this story, these gifts that the Magi bring, they spoke of something greater. They spoke of the divinity of God. They spoke of um, his death for our as a sacrifice for our sins, his kingliness, and I mean when you read through the scripture, even this christmas story it 's like and it was to fill, fulfill this prophecy, and Jesus fulfilled this prophecy, and the life of Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was there. Um, God is a prophetic God, he speaks to his people, he leads his people prophetically, and it hasn 't just stopped. There is a way that he speaks to us and leads us prophetically and we are a part of that in each other's lives um it's important (laughs) and also our practical ways and our practical giftings are very important as well we need to show up as we are who we are what we bring how we think how we uh, live our lives all this stuff matters The way our brains think, whether we're mathematical or we're creative or we're a problem solver or we're, you know, like a teacher or a plumber, or anything you are, those those gifts matter. And they contribute to something greater. And sometimes it's easy for us to be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I don't really have anything. But it's like who you are and what you bring on even a very practical level really matters to the kingdom of God. And then last but not least... Number six, God is invested in us. He is completely committed to redemption. And he continues to work out his love and his purposes in very intricate and detailed ways. And I mean, we've, this whole story is like the God of the universe. Who cast the stars in their places, literally, is like intricately orchestrating these things. And it's so grand, and it's so detailed, and it's like this in our own lives. And sometimes it's hard to see it, but once we start to see it, we start to see it everywhere. And we need to see it for each other, too, because I think there's seasons we go through where it's like, I can't find him, I don't see him, I don't know why it's going this way. And we need to be able to say to each other, I see it here, to remember this, and remind each other. and so I'm just going to change gears a bit here and start talking about love. I mean, I have been already, but um, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for love is ahava, which means like general affection. Um, but when the New Testament authors started writing about love, they actually used Jesus' Jesus's teachings and his um, life as the defining factor for the, to define love. And so the word agape is a Greek word. That they came up with. But this means that when Jesus came on the scene, he literally redefined love for us. And he shared what it really looked like. It was like he he taught about it, but he lived like it. He showed us the active, living love that we are meant to understand, meant to receive, meant to live in. And agape love is um, by definition unconditional, transcending all things, and persisting regardless of circumstance. It refers to God's love for us and then our love for God, but also very necessarily extends to love for one's fellow human being. So Jesus in Matthew 22, um, he, he's asked what the greatest commandment of the law of Moses is, and he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. These are two sides to the same coin with Jesus, and there's no one without the other. So following Jesus and being his apprentice, apprentices, lead leads us, sorry, following Jesus leads us into each other's lives. And there's this intersection that happens where we bring his love and his kingdom in a way that each of us is actually uniquely called and gifted and equipped to bring. And reading this story, celebrating the coming of Christ, and even knowing just how the Magi played a part in this story helps us to like, again, see the big picture, but it gives us the detailed investment. We start to recognize that all of our life is actually surrounded, sustained, and held together by love. The big picture stuff is what compels us to to see the importance in the details. It's like it grounds us, it grounds us. It's like we have to continue to like see the big picture, Look at, the, look at the stuff right before you, the details before you in your life. See the big picture. Look at the details. And keep that sort of tension in our perspective, right? So we live in a pretty cool space and time, actually, where Jesus has already come, and he is coming again. And our season of Advent is this season of waiting, but it's not just this looking back. It's actually looking forward with hope as to what's to come. And in the middle of this time that we live in, we get to actively seek and participate in God's plan of restoration. And yeah, it's not easy. Um, There are trials and hardships. And like one of these points that were just up there, the road is not easy. There's a lot of stuff, even like things we were praying for this morning. We can just ask like, why? Like, why? And it doesn't make sense. And even like when you think about Herod's response to not finding Jesus and just wiping out all those little boys, all those babies, why? Like there's some really hard stuff. And we don't always know the answers, but we can trust and we can remind each other that his love is what's holding us together. And the beauty of this is it's not just for us, but it's like we get to introduce others to his love through this stuff. Because it's not like we're the only ones. Like the whole world is living. And, and like imagine, even right now, living without knowing the love of God. Yeah. Like the state of the world right now, how do, how do people even survive? It's hard enough when we're living in this stuff to, to even keep our heads afloat. But like imagine not knowing that. And here we have the hope and the, the love to, that carries us through. Yeah. We need to share that with people around us. And it's real and it's messy. <laughs> and it's all-consuming. It's all of life. But it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And God is with us. His name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He came for us. He is coming for us. Amen. And he is still here with us. And I love that in Colossians 1, it says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not even that he came to be with us, but then he sent his spirit to literally dwell inside of us. Like he fills us. There's so much. It's like, like we get to be part of this, but like he's the one doing the stuff. Like he's filling us. He's equipping us and giving us everything that we actually need, which is amazing. So not only... God with us, but Christ in us. And so this week is Christmas week. What? I know! (laughs) It's pretty exciting. I love Christmas. But there is often so much hustle bustle, right? Just getting ready for like leading up to Christmas Eve, it's like get all the things done, get all the presents wrapped, get everything done. And we can get really busy and we can kind of miss the point. Um, But I just want to encourage us, even this week, to spend the time in silence and solitude. Um, Reflect on this story. Reflect on even your own story, your own lives, and look for the places where God's weaving his love. And Tom had mentioned before, um, when we're doing silence and solitude, it's good to have some type of anchoring prayer to kind of bring you back because, man, does my mind go crazy when I'm I'm like, I'm going to have some silence and solitude, and then everything comes into my brain about all the things I need to do. But I think a really good thing, even this week, if we can have the anchor prayer, I mean, you can come up with your own, but um, I am held in your love. And just let that sort of tether us, bring us back, bring us back. And so I'm just going to actually read in closing from First John 4 again. Josh and Remy shared this with us this morning. I'm gonna read um, from verse 10 to 12, and I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation because I just loved the way that it was put here. It says, this is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. And he proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought to its full expression in us. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Lord, let it be. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your love. Would you bring your love into its full expression in us? Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you're coming again, but that you are actively here. Yep. You are filling us. You are leading us. You are constantly weaving your love into our story, which is a, we are brought into your bigger story. I pray that we would live lives that actively seek and participate in what you are doing and that we would live with a new confidence and a new hope that we are held by your love. Thank you that you are a good Father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that there is so much more to look forward to. We love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.